This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. gospel this day. Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. It also serves as the basis for the sermon. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Jesus said, have you understood all these things? His disciples said, yes. But do you think they did? Most often when we hear a story, our first instinct is to try to find ourselves in that story we just heard. I suppose there's nothing really wrong with that, and it's probably why narrative and storytelling are such powerful forms of communication. It makes it so relatable to the listener. But I don't know that the immediate instinct to try to find ourselves is going to serve us so well when it comes to the parables of Jesus we heard today in the Gospel reading. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is telling story after story to teach us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And when you hear kingdom of heaven, don't think eternal home up in the clouds surrounded by saints and angels. Instead, when you hear kingdom of heaven, think God's ruling and reigning activity right here, right now. So all those stories that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13, a couple of which we've heard from the lector in the past couple weeks, are seeking to answer a simple question. What is the ruling and reigning activity of God like? How does he go about his work? In other words, what does it look like when God shows up into our world in the person of Christ and carries out his plan of salvation? And the unstated answer to that question in each of those parables, the sower and the seed, the weeds and the wheat, the little mustard seed that grows to a big tree, the pinch of leaven that works through the whole batch of dough, The unstated answer to that question is, what's the kingdom of God like? Well, nothing like you'd expect. 
The sower sows his goodly and valuable seed, not just on fertile soil, but in shallow dirt and rocky ground and even on the path. You know, you and I know that trying to grow grass in your driveway will never work, but there's the sower scattering abroad his goodly seed, sowing his reckless love, all with the hope that there will be a harvest because his word works. The weeds grow up right alongside the wheat. And Jesus himself says to let it ride until the end of the age when God himself will sort it all out. Meanwhile, you and I are shouting, pluck those things! The ruling and reigning activity of God is something that looks so small and insignificant that it's so easily overlooked. You know, like a mustard seed or a little bit of yeast until it blows up into something huge. So what is the ruling and reigning activity of God like? Well, today Jesus tells us. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And true to form, nobody in the parables of Jesus acts the way we think they should. As Jesus tells his stories, he includes these details that just kind of arrest our attention, and they almost strike us as being kind of absurd to how life really works. So you're trying to find yourself in the story? Look at the two main characters in the two parables we heard and see if they sound like you. Well, first there's this man who's walking through somebody else's field, and he stubs his toe or strikes his shovel on something. Turns out it's this massive treasure trove. Oh, how nice. And then there's a merchant looking for fine pearls, and he happens to find the one that makes every other set of pearls he's seen look like costume jewelry, cheap and plastic. And then in both cases, each of these men sell absolutely everything they have just to make this one thing their own. Does that sound like you? Ask any financial advisor or even somebody with half an ounce of common sense, and each one of them will probably tell you to diversify your investments. Spread your money around. Play it a little safe, you know. Well, not these guys. Oh, no. Not only do they park all of their eggs in this particular basket, they threw in the whole barnyard and the deed to the farm, too. They found something that was of incredible value, and they were willing to give everything up just so they could have one thing. To borrow a question from Jesus, have you understood all these things? What are we going to do with these two parables of our Lord? Well, here's how this will usually run. You heard what Jesus said about those two men who found something so incredibly valuable that they were willing to give up everything to make it their own. So now you, go and do thou likewise. Consider Jesus and his gospel promises to be the most valuable and only eternal treasure there is. And then you, as his followers, be willing, eager, able, and ready to give up everything you have just to make this treasure your own. Okay. But here's the thing. Jesus and his gospel promises are, in fact, the only eternal treasure. And we would do well to remember that. But give up everything you have. You haven't. You don't. You won't. And here's why. You can't. 
If you think back on all the stories that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13 leading up to this one, the sower and the seed, the weeds and the wheat, the little mustard seed, the leaven and the dough, ask yourself one question. Who's doing the action in these stories? Who are they really all about? Well, it's Jesus who sows the good seed of his word. It's Jesus who orders the gathering of the wheat and the burning of the weeds. It's Jesus who plants that mustard seed. It's Jesus who works the leaven into the dough that results in explosive growth in them both. And now, now we come to the parable of the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl of great price. And I don't think that Jesus would suddenly have us shift the focus to all of a sudden making these parables all about you and me. So who are these all about? Well, who's the main actor in the ruling and reigning activity of God? It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. So how about let's start there as we think our way through these stories that Jesus told to teach us what the ruling and reigning activity of God is really all about. Listen to the details of the story again and see if they don't strike just a little bit differently. There was a man who found something, a something that certainly wasn't looking for him, a something that was as good as dead, buried, and forgotten. But when he found it, in his immense joy, he didn't just shuffle around some funds, he liquidated everything he had just so he could make this one thing his very own. Does that sound like somebody you know? And there was another man whose entire identity was so wrapped up with these fine pearls that he was seeking that when he happened to find the one, he did the unthinkable. He gave up every penny he had. He made the greatest personal sacrifice all so that he could guarantee this one would be his forever. Does that ring any bells? In these parables of the kingdom, Jesus isn't so much giving you your marching orders as he is showing you your adoption papers. From start to finish, from the moment Jesus planted the good seed of his word into your heart all the way until the last day when God will shake it all out and you, because of Christ, will shine like the sun, in these parables of the kingdom, Jesus is showing you everything he's done to include you in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I can hear your mental objections because my heart is echoing them too. All right, preacher, you're saying some pretty big things. So you're telling me that I'm a treasure worth everything and that I, I'm a pearl that makes all worldly wealth pale in comparison. Well, I've got news for you, guy. Some days I can't even look at myself in the mirror. If you knew what I've done, who I've been, who I still struggle to be, you certainly would not be saying those kinds of things about me. I don't feel all that valuable. I'm no treasure. And as far as it goes, you're right to think those things. It's what we say in the liturgy. It's what we acknowledge in our prayers. It's what we dare to utter out loud in a moment of private confession. This simple singular thought, with my sin, I have made myself worthless. 
for my despairing of the love of God, for my running after worldly wealth at the expense of heavenly treasure, for the evil I have done and the good I have failed to do, for my fearing, loving, and trusting in all the wrong gods of my own making, for all of this, I deserve nothing from God but all of his punishment in every one of its forms until, well, until someone comes along and finds you. There we were, as good as dead, buried, and forgotten, until Jesus shows up and finds you, you who certainly weren't looking for him. He's the one who doesn't want to see himself as being complete apart from you. He's the one who's still in the business of tearing open graves and bringing people to new life in him. And so to you, to me, to us who are so tempted to run and hide in our self-made prison of guilt and shame and fear, to us, Jesus sends someone. We'll call him a preacher. It could be a Christian friend. It could be a faithful parent. It could be a called servant of Christ who speaks by his authority to bring a word to you, someone who is going to give voice to the promise of the gospel and aim it in the direction of your ears. So what's that sound like when Jesus finds you? What is it to have the the hard, compacted earth that covers you break open and your grave be ripped open? What does that sound like? In the name of Jesus, I forgive you all your sins. That's where Jesus found you. As good as dead, buried, and forgotten, without hope. And yet his single-minded focus and his zeal for your salvation means that he does not wish to be seen as complete apart from having you. And so he reached his hand into the dark abyss that was your life, and he pulled you out calling you by his name in the water and promise of your baptism. And from that moment on, you were cemented to Christ Jesus, never to be torn apart. Still don't feel that valuable? Still don't think you're much of a treasure? I get to tell you, you wouldn't recognize yourself if you got to see you the way God sees you in Christ. To him, you're everything. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. If my worth and my value are determined only by how I see myself and how I view myself, well, then I'm sunk. But that is not how this grace of God thing works. He loves you, not because of what's in your heart, but because of what's in his He loves and cares for you so much that he left behind everything, the eternal praise of angels, heaven's glory itself, so he could take on your humanity and come here and do things like wash feet and touch disease and take every one of your sins upon himself. Jesus loves you and cares for you so much. To him, you are everything. And on the cross, he proves it. He went looking for you. When you weren't looking for him, he found you. He not only gave up everything, but made himself nothing just so he could have one thing, you. And when it came time to pay that ultimate price to make you his own, he cried out from the cross, forsaken by God his Father so that you never would be. It is finished. And he went and sold everything. And he bought you with his holy, precious blood, 
with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did, that you should be his own. You are his treasured possession. That's his promise. Could there be any greater encouragement in a constantly discouraging world? Could there be any firmer hope than the hope that is yours because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you really think that after giving up everything and making himself nothing and coming back from the dead just to make you his own, do you really think that Jesus could ever forget your needs? Do you suppose that giving up everything just to make you his one and only thing, that the Lord Jesus could ever allow anything to come into your life that does not serve your eternal good? Well, for him to do that would be to betray his very self. Do you see how that changes absolutely everything? To know who you are to Jesus and who he is to you, I get to tell you that now you're free. Free from the guilt of your sin. Free from the shackles of death forever. You're free to see yourself not as a nameless, faceless creature wandering around aimlessly in a world gone wrong, but you're free to see yourself as God sees you in Christ. One who has been bought back with the blood of God's one and only Son. In Him, you're free to see your world and your neighbor next to you in a whole new way as the field where Jesus is eager and ready to unearth more treasure and bring even more sinners home by grace. So you've heard a couple stories today. We can ask the question, where do you find yourself in this story? Here's the thing. The gospel's not about you. It's aimed at you. It's got promises for you, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus. So where do you find yourself? Where do you ever find yourself? By God's undeserved love, you live, you move, you have your being in Christ, the one who gave up everything just so he could have one thing, you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.